group of young heroes called the Animorphs. Hello and welcome to Middlemorph Millennials, the podcast that I started to force my friends to read Animorphs and yell at them about spiders. My name is Morgan. And my name is Kate. My name is Jason. Ew, spiders. Gross. Yeah, today we're talking about <laughs> book 10, The Android. I feel like this one is one of the first ones where the, the well, I guess the cat one too, but the morph came back at the end. Instead of it just being at the beginning or very specific, it's like, okay, they morphed it and then it became in handy later. Yeah, it wasn't just like a one-off kind of thing. Yeah. So this one is where we get to the Chi, the new, our new friends who are basically filling in plot holes (laughs) for future books. For how come their parents don't call the cops when they're gone? Oh, it's because the Chi are there. The Chi are taking over for them. Which interesting. Which is great, and I mean, like the the title of this book. I did not see, like, I made an assumption about the android, and I was very incorrect in my assumption <laughs> about the android. Um, so that was a pleasant surprise. I, I twist. personally did not read the title of this book. I just started diving into it and uh, got surprised. <laughs> like, oh, there's androids now. <laughs> And then when I was typing up notes for this podcast, I'm like, oh, well, duh, the title's called The Android. I could have clued in there. Well, when I read this, I was like, oh, my God, Kate's going to love this book. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. uh, I'm very much behind everything that stands with with the chi. I got to say, though, I don't know if I trust Eric completely still. Just, I don't know. There's something about him. That's that's having a yerk just as a prisoner inside of his head. And uh, I don't know. There's there's something. I don't know. There's something weird. Uh, but the other Chi seem great. Totally on board with all that. I just I feel like there's uh, Eric has a possibility of turning to the dark side. <laughs> well, he did. Well. Over- oh, wait. Spoilers. <laughs> 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 We're not there yet. <laughs> well, not, did, a- not anymore. <laughs> yeah. So this one, the cover is Marco um, just squatting down with his fists out. I'm actually just going to turn on turn on my camera for this one. And you guys can ignore my bad hair I think again. It's, I think it's also a different child actor or model. No, it's the same one. He actually did cut his hair, and that's why it's he a, has a haircut in the book. Yeah. Because the, the other one, he had long hair. <laughs> yes. And then the, in, the inside looks like this, where there's, oh, yeah. like, android feet inside of human feet. Oh, is that what that is? Just chilling there. Yeah. Okay. So that definitely clued. Well, if you had the physical copy, would clue you in as to the content of the book. (laughs) (laughs) So this one, a lot of stuff happens. It's kind of almost like the first book in that it's like where you start out is way far from where you end. Yeah. I mean, it was very Elemist-esque in terms of game changers uh, yeah. with this new race being introduced. So that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, it, it didn't go the way I expected it to win, but I did like the full circle of the dog theme. Uh, obviously, yeah. as Jason pointed out. <laughs> it's a spider book, but it's very dog heavy. Yes. Oh, no. Also, no no explanation whatsoever to where Marco got an Irish, an Irish setter morph. <laughs> yeah, like maybe his neighbor has one and he just kind of walked up to him and 
petted him or maybe if like, he, like if he petted a dog like that was being walked by a human like it the human would think like he put the dog in cardiac arrest or something <laughs> if he like went up and pet uh an animal to acquire it in front just of somebody like wow else. you have a real way with dogs I mean, have you considered just, being a dog walker he's just calmed him right down there's always like shelters but then also like dog shows like my friend went to a dog show recently and like she will like pet like all the dogs <laughs> well, that sounds oh, yeah. like a dream <laughs> that's amazing that is that is uh, hashtag goals <laughs> <laughs> like, you know maybe maybe she's like went to a dog show but also there was there was a line in here about uh it's more towards the uh book and i was like why haven't you guys acquired axe yet oh my god seriously it's right there, it's right there in the face you're like it's like, it's like, it's like, I don't know. It's like there was a wall, but it's like, it's right there. Like, it would be yeah. so, like it would be so smart. And yeah. if they ever, ever meet any other Andalites, acquire them immediately so that you have a variety and it's not just five, six, or five axes, you know, like if you see another Andalite, you got to acquire them to keep up the facade of variety of Andalites. Yes. It would have been smart to acquire um, Visor 3's morph and see if he actually recognized <gasps> it. Because it's all that adults. That would have been smart. Yeah. Yeah, well, presumably, like, then. he also would have... Well, I guess I guess he morphs regularly. It's not like it would have restored anything. Like, you know, with... Like, if he had an, any battle scars and stuff, it's not like that would have healed it and it would have made him less recognizable. Because Visor 3 already morphs often. So he would have been healed from any of that. Yeah, but then, yeah, if they, the kids could be adult Andalites along with an uh, axe, it would make their, their ruse all the more solidified. Just depends on how good the facial recognition is in uh, Andalite form for Visor 3. Mm-hmm. Well, what they could do is because they could take Axe's uh, DNA and Visor 3's DNA and just combine, oh. it, combine it in Teenage Andalites! <laughs> yes. Well, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Andalites. Yeah, and, and just like <laughs> combine it differently, each of them. So like they look probably semi-familiar, but like, you know. That seems like an advanced maneuver, but I bet Cassie could do it. Cassie could do it, yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised she hasn't tried uh, splicing other species together yet. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's lacking the mad scientists, you know. I mean, she, she's our moral compass for the group, so I don't think she's about to go full on, like, real-life turducken. <laughs> uh, yeah, just she's, like she's, her. yeah, she's just too uh, distracted by possums, baby possums and burrows. <laughs> yes. So, but I, I'm right there with you. I would definitely be like, let's do it. Let's make, like, a gorilla horse centaur yes <laughs> griffin oh my gosh i think taking some of rachel's morphs elephant grizzly a giant grizzly would be pretty unstoppable uh, yeah. in a lot of scenarios yeah uh, oh uh, okay uh before we get right into it okay we talked about z uh z space again and uh z uh and mass in z space if they grow larger does that ever get explained? I'm like, do they like just get extra what Z space in their bodies to grow bigger or something like that from their regular form? Presum, I mean, if presumably they just have trash mass in Z space for them to use. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just I'm using something from something else. <laughs> yeah. So in the book, Axe mentions that since they are becoming very small, their excess mass goes into Z space. Like they have a connection with Z space 
And that's kind of part of what the morphing power does is it stores the extra mass in Z space, but we don't know where their extra mass comes from if they morph like an elephant. You know, I was, I was or a whale. not expecting this series to ever explain mm-hmm. that because it was a question. I, so I yeah. appreciate that they did, but I did not expect them to ever. Yeah. Seriously. Well, they can though. physically go to Z space in a ship. Because that's how they travel, right? They mention that that they mention that in the late later half of the book, but like presumably they just put some mass there. I don't know, with some dead animal carcasses or something. Well, Ew. <laughs> right? It's like are are people just putting things in there? Is it is it habitable for like? Are you borrowing life? from someone else who's morphed into a small creature? Uh. Like it's like the bank, right? Like. Your, your money is not sitting in the bank. Someone else has your money, so... Well, well if, things, <laughs> maybe uh. if things can sort of live there, like, are there, are there indigenous species to Z-Space? Or is it just, like, somehow... That'd be kind of cool. But habitable, but... That's That'd where the space fairies should live. <laughs> <laughs> the we, fabled space fairies. We do go to Z-Space soon-ish. And it's just white space. It's That's it. It's like a void. Oh, so it's Janet from uh, The Good Place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Do you want to get into the book? <laughs> all right. All right. Let's dive into this. So uh, chapter one, we're getting into Marco's book. So he is narrating and mainly the whole beginning of this is Marco introducing himself. Uh, and the, the key thing out of this is he has a new haircut. So <laughs> out of all the summary about him explaining about the Animorphs and their adversaries, the Erics, and the normal rehash that they do, the most important thing is he just went to see a stylist, uh, uh, Charisse, and he got a new haircut. <laughs> you know what? That's so funny because we were talking about the cover. I was like, wow, that went I like that went way over my head. Like I was like <laughs> I was like, oh, this makes so much more sense now because they okay, they gave more they detail tease him. than I thought. <laughs> they tease him throughout the whole book about his haircut though. How did I, Yeah. <laughs> I know because I even made notes of it too and I was like <laughs> I just I just I just did not connect until right now. <laughs> It's the okay. hairstyle I that he got is very in right now too. It's like short on the sides and long on top. Like yeah, very, very 2021. <laughs> yeah, it totally is. Uh, yeah, and it's okay, Jason, because I didn't obviously clue, and I'm not reading the actual book title, so <laughs> I think it evens out. So Marco is trying to convince Jake to morph dog with him so they can get into an outdoor concert for free. So we need a shout out to these rock bands that he starts to name drop. Nine Inch Nails, Alanis Morissette, Offspring. Which, what? Like, I get Offspring and Nine Inch Nails playing together. That makes sense to me. Why is Alanis Morissette here? (laughs) (laughs) Is that really Venn Diagram have enough of an overlap for them to all be playing together? Maybe the author was just like, what's a popular band? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's probably it. But also, I would have loved if they did like a reprint, like like an update and reprint of this book, who they would have picked. I honestly, maybe Paramore, Ariana Grande. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it would be like Paramore, Ariana Grande, and Justin Bieber. And it's like, those... Those are not, those don't go together. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) So apparently Marco finally intrigued Jake when he name dropped Offspring and Jake was in conflict. He said he had criticized Rachel and Cassie a lot for morphing for their personal reasons. So how can he go and do the same by going to a concert? 
But, he reasoned, if he knew Marco was going to go anyway despite him, he had to go reluctantly to watch Marco's back. So Jake reasoned himself into be able to go anyway. <laughs> and that settles it. Jake plans to morph Golden Retriever, which is his dog Homer that he acquired that from. And Marco has uh, somehow, like we talked about here a little earlier, acquired an Irish setter to morph into. We, we don't know blart- how. Just yeah, a we, random we, dog. We do not know how. I, I wish it was like something like a Maltese or something, just a little white, like, yappy dog. <laughs> well, he <laughs> says he randomly acquired... Gotten. Sorry. He says he acquired an Irish setter because girls love Irish setters. <laughs> you he don't wants see to get Irish from cute girls. setters. Uh, they're, they're not as popular as a breed, like, say, as, like, you know... You, you got a lot of German Shepherds, Labs, Golden Retrievers. You don't see that many purebred Irish setters around. Uh, yeah. But fun to shout out. With golden Retrievers. Yes, the Golden Retrievers are like the poster dog. I feel like they've been the poster dog for like ever. It's like Marco. <laughs> Come on. The most like, popular dog breeds, according to the American Kennel Club, I mean, Labs and Golden Retrievers like fight amongst like the top two spots like a lot they just trade off all the time yeah isn't it yeah funny, though they're like the same dog though i mean not really uh labs coats are way more rough as opposed to like golden retrievers have this like a uh, more finer uh, finer double double coat i'm not sure if labs have a double coat or not uh both obviously water dogs for uh hunting in water but you get labs and they tend to be more stocky they tend to have more muscle on them uh and both extremely happy, obviously, but uh, <laughs> I think labs were uh, bred into being in a different area than golden retrievers. Okay, just bear with me for a second because I need to know this now. <laughs> <laughs> where were Labrador? Because uh, Scotland is where uh, golden retrievers were uh, bred into being. And oh, that was at Newfoundland. Newfoundland is where uh, labs were bred as a as a. A breed. Okay. So yeah, that makes sense then that labs have that double coat. Did you say that? Is that what I'm I not heard? Sh- I, no, uh, golden retrievers definitely have that double coat. And uh, labs also are hunting for water sports, but their sh- uh, coat is much shorter and tends to be a little bit more rougher. And I'm not sure if they have a double coat, but again, both dogs amazing. We digress. Uh, it is it is the it is the Che <laughs> book. So I feel bonus, like I bonus can have my, dog fact. I can have my freedom to tell you guys all my dog facts. Well, we also do have a golden retriever book eventually. So oh boy, and the That's sound exciting. you're hearing right now is my dog going in and out of my golden retriever going in and out of his dog door. <laughs> <laughs> He's providing immersing immersing uh, sound effects. He knows how to time it. So they are going towards where large crowds are gathering uh, to the outdoor concert. And Marco and Jake head uh, to a nearby alleyway between some shops across the street from the park where the concert's at. Uh, so they can morph without being seen. They stash their clothes behind a dumpster, and Jake tries to warn Marco of the dog morph and how it can be too happy, but Marco doesn't really listen. And so when they morph, the dog senses just take over Marco, and Marco says, like, I've morphed wolf, so I was prepared. I knew the hearing would be amazing. I knew the sense of smell would be incredible, but what I didn't expect was the dog's mind. It was not like the wolf. The wolf was cool, intelligent, ruthless killer. The dog was just a big goof. You remember that old song, Girls Just Want to Have Fun? That could be the theme song for dogs. Dogs just want to have fun. 
Marco let out a big bark to the golden retriever Jake and then just took off down the alleyway wanting to play chase with him. So he raced across the street towards the park where the concert was and almost got hit by a car, but he didn't <laughs> mind. This is where my heart stopped. I <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, my God. I also ha- like how Marco yells, catch me, haha, like you even could. <laughs> and Jake's just like, Marco. <laughs> Stop being a dog. <laughs> Jake fell behind yelling at him to get a grip through thought speak. Marco smelled everybody at the concert who had dogs. And so he like it picked up sense. Like, he knows people who had dogs, who had cats, and all the food they were eating. And his, ma- uh, his mind was going a mile a minute, but he was just loving it. Then a girl said hi to him and his dog morph and she's like hey boy and started giving him scratches behind the ear and he's just like oh he lost all thought and purpose and just blissfully zoned out marco melted on his back and the girl gave him scratches on his belly and he was beyond happy his legs kicking happily the girl's boyfriend showed up and they were having fun giving uh, marco and dog morph uh, all the scratches and then that's how jake finally caught up to him and he's like oh that's nice marco jake said very dignified what's next you're gonna lick yourself oh it's another dog the girl said he's even cuter and she leaned forward to pet jake and that brought marco to his senses no way was jake cuter than him marco and jake left the couple and they headed off towards the stage the music was very loud to their dog ears, and Marco got a little bit uh, more in control of his dog morph, but he ultimately liked giving himself away to it just to be happy all the time. And that was kind of a theme throughout this book, where Marco's just, like, enjoying giving himself away to the sensations uh, and the, the minds of these different animals that he's been in, and he just, he's he's having that escapism more and more often, where whether that's, like, being powered by rage or being powered by just not wanting to deal he's between you know spider and osprey and uh dog morphs and things like that he just uh he's been having uh, a time of it when the offspring comes on stage and starts playing he gets like he gets kind of taken aback because of how intense the sound is with the dog ears and then he says hey i can understand the lyrics now and i'm like the offspring is it's not hard to understand their lyrics they enunciate pretty well (laughs) but sure i get it whatever (laughs) (laughs) one thing i found interesting maybe i just don't know so well about the music but like part of the people that were there a hippie couple smelling of patchouli which was like lol stereotype but also (laughs) like what are they doing in a dining concert (laughs) yeah maybe they're there to see alanis morissette (laughs) (laughs) maybe but who do i know like i I like a lot of things that people would necessarily think that i would because of how i look or act so i'll keep i'll keep myself in check <laughs> no assumptions. Don't put me in a box. <laughs> exactly. So then somebody was walking through the crowd, passing out pamphlets. And the pamphlets were about the sharing. The person was familiar to Marco. It was Eric King. He said this kid, Eric, he transferred out of their school a year ago. But as this uh, guy, Eric, passed them and smiled at the dogs, they noticed something very strange. Eric had no scent. So then they were all back at Cassie's barn later that evening, and Jake and Marco were filling the rest on what they had sensed and, and seen. Marco takes a hot second to describe everyone on the team again, as they normally do with each of the books. But I did want to point this funny observation uh, he had about Jake and Cassie. (laughs) He said, Cassie is our animal expert and our resident ecology nut. I said she likes animals better than she likes people, except that she really likes Jake. 
as in <laughs> likes. Actually, she and Jake like each other, although neither of them will admit it, of course. The only time they actually act that way is when they're about 12 seconds away from doing something insanely dangerous. Then they kind of give each other these pathetic sad looks. It's so lame. <laughs> I just... I liked that, and I want to point out, it's interesting that Marco can pick up on this, but he really does not seem to pick up that Rachel likes Tobias, too. (laughs) I think he does. I think he does, but he just doesn't, like, say anything out of politeness, which is weird for him, but... I don't think he wants to acknowledge it. Possibly. That's possibly it, too. He's in denial, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, he still likes his banter back and forth with uh, antagonizing Rachel so much. Maybe he just doesn't want (laughs) to see that she goes and runs over to hug Tobias or or go hang out with him whenever she gets the chance. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I also like how, um, when they're talking about how Eric doesn't have smell, um, Rachel's like, maybe you just didn't notice it. And Jake says, Rachel, you've been in Wolf Morph. You know how good your sense of smell is? Well, the dog's sense of smell is almost that good. And then the narration says, Rachel shook her head. That's what she does when she's frustrated. I'm like, okay. You notice that about Rachel? Interesting <laughs> observation. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, he definitely has a, a sensitivity towards Rachel because he likes to push her buttons. <laughs> yeah, which they do a lot in this book. Oh. Yes, they do. <laughs> also, I was really glad that she's back. I was cold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm missing the cult. Where's the cult? <laughs> so overall, everyone has been teasing Marco about his new ho- uh, short haircut. <laughs> yeah. And they ultimately knew they needed to find out more about Eric. They all uh, threw out ideas on how to elf- infiltrate the sharing meeting. Like maybe they go and survey his school also, or maybe they uh, go to the concert area and try to look for clues and Axe. Uh, Marco's uh, Marco's suggestion was maybe Axe could just tap into the internet and get past all the security buffers to locate him. <laughs> it's just like, okay. <laughs> but apparently Cassie's plan uh, won, and uh, she just said, let's look Eric up in the phone book and see where he's at. Oh, so, uh Old tech alert! Uh, <laughs> a book. Do you guys remember getting yellow pages every Friday? Yep. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Those, and using those... it to actually look things up. Oh, I used it for like uh, extra kind of like step stool and things like that to get up to higher places. <laughs> I I used it a, a little bit differently. <laughs> My parents made me use it like, okay, use it to look up, you know, where you got to go get your smog test done, smog check done, or whatever, oh. like, they would be like, okay, now go look it up in the phone book. I'm like, okay, oh, whatever. see, I got that, but it was... It's, uh, 20, it's 2008, I could Google it, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's a little, like, later <laughs> I would get that from my mom, but it was when I was a kid uh, trying to understand new words. And she's just like, I don't know. You have to look it up in the dictionary. And it was always the default, look it up in the dictionary. It's just like, oh, it's a whole extra step of actually going and looking it up in the dictionary. And then I figured out how to, like, actually use a browser at the time when I was a kid. (laughs) Like, oh, no, this is a lot easier. (laughs) At least it taught us how to alphabetize things. Um I worked with someone who was in her 50s, and she did not know how to alphabetize things. And when I tried to alphabetize them, she got mad and would not admit that she did not know how to alphabetize things. She's like, this is a waste of time. Like, okay, sure. That's so weird. Uh, uh, Sorry, uh, weird in, obviously, she had her own experiences. (laughs) But uh, I I came from 
living like all through school and then worked all through high school and college at the library. So that's like totally opposite of every experience I've ever had. (laughs) I know how to uh, put it into the Dewey Decimal System if you want, guys. (laughs) Like, There's a whole other range of uh, categorizing. (laughs) We digress. Okay, there's a lot of DC and Marvel superhero references here throughout the book for Marco. So I just want to throw out that he's like name dropping Wolverine, Spider-Man, Batman, and obviously relating himself to those characters a lot. So obviously he thinks of himself as a a bit of a superhero. I think partially he's relating the spider morph to Spider-Man as a coping mechanism. To To make him want to do it. I'm Spider-Man. It's cool. It's fine. I'm Spider-Man. It's cool. I'm Batman. (laughs) And then um, Rachel says... That's what your hair reminds me of. A Wolverine. I knew it was something. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) When he talks about Wolverine. Jake and Rachel all agree they need to follow up and investigate Eric, but they can't do it tonight. Homework, family, and life commitments come first, so they resolve to follow up with him later. I did do some research on this one. So this is 90s research because Rachel's dad is in town just for tonight, and he's taking Rachel and her sisters to Planet Hollywood. And I could not find any historical, like, I couldn't find any information about what, when it was at its height, how many Planet Hollywoods there were. It's pretty much just Hard Rock Cafe, but for movies instead of, instead of Mm -hmm. music. And it, so I went to the Wikipedia page. The existing locations include Las Vegas, LAX, (laughs) and Disney World. So... (laughs) They also, uh, like, were really at their height in the late 90s. Then they went downhill and filed for bankruptcy twice. Once was in 2001, which they blamed on 9-11. They're like, people Uh, just aren't coming to Planet Hollywood because of (laughs) 9-11. Okay. Anyway, I just thought that was hilarious. Well, no, that would have been helpful if you could find that, because then we could start trying to triangulate where these kids might actually be. <laughs> yeah, it seems like they're just they just exist in extremely touristy areas. So Disney World, LAX, <laughs> Vegas, well, like Does anybody else get this impression on their town like it kind of fluctuates I feel like in size of being like maybe like a really kind of like nice like medium to smallish town to like oh no they have like a skyscraper like a big building in the middle of town where the Condrona is and 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 like there's there's more there's more buildings and locations throughout their town as the world keeps expanding than you expect when they can just always hop into the woods and go run off to the mountains and the lake or down to the ocean you know yeah i've got two things to say about that is that yes (laughs) i agree it's like it apparently has everything and it's cozy small town mountain forest successful as well that they all walk suburbia as well i know and And drive around uh, and loop through forests easily through suburban areas to like you know uh, with a chasing valique and stuff like that it's it feels like the the setting is morphing with them throughout each book Well, it's like, it's the plot city, whatever well, is convenient to the plot. Yeah, well, I think that's part of the art. It could be hard, so it's trying to. This is whatever it needs to feel like every person place in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it, it, it's stretching at times. It, it feels like. Oh, it's very much like a Sims world where they just put everything close to the Sims. House. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> I feel like Santa Barbara, but they definitely have don't have skyscrapers in Santa Barbara. No, no, like. Some towns like that, like, have, like, height ordinances on 
on buildings can't get a certain height level and things like that. And I feel like Santa Barbara is one of them. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe it's like a combination between Santa Barbara and Ventura because Ventura has skyscrapers. I don't but know. The yeah, the forest is a big one. Forest and rivers. Remember that, Morgan? Flowing yeah. water. We yeah, only have true. little creek, <laughs> little creeks uh, sometimes out of the year when we ever get water in California. I still think it could possibly be other places. Okay. <laughs> Santa Cruz, maybe? Okay, anyway. Carry on. Or Monterey. <laughs> And he, d- well, Marco in another book, I don't know if he's done it already, is like, we got to deal with these morphing outfits because when winter comes, we're going to be sad little anamorphs. And it's like, okay, so can't be Santa Barbara. No. <laughs> they well, don't have winter. No. Snows, they're definitely not Michigan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. Or, or they're way more up north than we ever thought they would be. <laughs> yeah. They're in Canada, just like the TV show. Anyway. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> so Tobias restated he does not need uh, he does not do night flights so red tail hawks don't have great night vision so he can't go with them so that defaults then to marco and cassie resolving to morph owls and do a little snoop in and see if they can find eric so personal aside with uh, the theme of dogs in this book and creatures that scurry and kind of go bump in the night like spiders and bats i feel like this book so far it has a little bit of a scooby-doo kind of vibe you know just uh you got you got the dogs being all goofy they're trying to investigate things (laughs) and they have uh, the creepy crawlies and stuff but I I thought it was cute you have Jake be the shaggy to Marco Scooby (laughs) and Cassie is definitely a Velma yes 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 she looks it up in the phone book yes yes of course (laughs) and uh, Rachel is very much a Daphne but I don't know maybe she's a Fred and Daphne she's very burly and goes running into things a lot (laughs) the next day at school Jake uh, found Marco in the cafeteria trying to write his English paper. He skipped out on doing the last night uh, instead to go Eric hunting. Marco said they found where he lived, but he didn't get much farther than that. Jake left him in peace to finish writing his paper about essentially nothing. And Marco spotted Chapman in the cafeteria overseeing everything. He reflected at that point like on the sharing and how Yurks glean people to come join them and infest them. And then about his mom being visitor one. And then Marco kind of remembered something. He remembered at his mom's funeral, he remembered vaguely all the people that came, and he remembered that Eric had been there, and he somehow looked mad while everyone else looked sad as the priest read the eulogy for his mother. Also, I need to I need to say this aloud that Jake gives Marco a topic for his essay, because Marco has written three pages <laughs> so far without saying a single thing, and the topic... He says, the use of rhetoric to obscure a lack of content. And when I was in, like, elementary school reading that, I thought that was the most clever thing in the entire world. <laughs> and then I'm and like, that's not even You that are difficult. the English teacher. How do you respond? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if someone put that, I would be like, oh, my God, an anamorphous person. <laughs> Okay, so apparently your students Extra would credit. do well if they did that. <laughs> and this is where Morgan became an English. <laughs> this this book series is probably why I did become an English teacher. Oh, that's We also special. learned later that he gets a B minus on the paper. And I'm like, if, if a student, if, if they wrote a three-page paper in middle school, I would be like, hell yeah, B minus at least. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We have the insider track on what the- <laughs> what a teacher actually would respond to from Marco. This is great. Validation. <laughs> I'm lucky to get them to write three paragraphs. 
Uh, anyway, <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> so after school finished, Marco went up to the roof and morphed uh, his osprey morph, and he flew away uh, as everyone was leaving uh, school below him, and all the buses were going out, and he was like looking at the tops of their heads uh, from a distance, and he was all happy and excited. He rode the thermals away from school, enjoying the sensation of flying, and headed towards Tobias in the woods. And then he got close enough for a thought speak. Tobias, can you hear me? I can hear you and see you, Marco. I've been watching you for 20 minutes. No way, I just spotted you. You have to know what to look for, Marco. By the way, when I count to three, you need to bank very sharp, very fast, uh, and for a left turn. Turn? Why? Marco asked. Just do it. One, two, three. Marco raised one wing and lowered the other and skewed his tail and cut a slight sharp left. And then, whoom, something rushed past him. Ah! Marco said. A silver (laughs) mass bolted past Marco. It was a peregrine falcon. Tobias explained he was hunting Marco from above with the clumsy way Marco was flying. The falcon probably thought he was a duck or a pigeon for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that was a lot of shade coming from Tobias, but it was really funny. And this is like another example of Marco kind of getting like deep into his morphs and not really like understanding Darwinism. (laughs) Marco shook off the sensation of being hunted and they both flew off to find Eric. Tobias had been tracking Eric at school all day, and now they caught up with him coming home. They also noticed that there were three bullies following him, and they were ready to cause trouble. Tobias wasn't going to have it. He hated bullies, and so he started to dive down with his talons uh, like of Blared, ready to give one of them what for. But then Eric saw his pursuers, and he started to run. He ran but tripped into the street, and he ended up slamming into the side of a passing bus. The bus kept driving on, but for a second, Eric fuzzed out and wasn't there anymore. Something else was in his place. Something of steel and milk-white plastic. And then he was a normal human again, and he was lying winded on the sidewalk. The bullies took off avoiding him, and Tobias and Marco hovered, baffled in midair, not sure what they saw. I guess my question is, if he is an android... Sorry, I guess we already gave away the game with the title and our beginning conversation. But if he was an android, how did he trip? Like, and if he if he tripped and was trying maybe to kind of lose the bullies or fool them, why did he slam into a bus? <laughs> that seems so. Okay, do you do you ever watch those videos of the robot dogs that they make um, up at? <laughs> The, the scary robot dogs that are going to be hunting us in 20 years. It'll be fun. You just give <laughs> yeah. them scratches. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, they trip all them all the time and try to get them off balance. It's a thing. <laughs> okay. And those have four legs. So yeah, he has two. And he's as an android. It's not very stable. Yeah. And, yeah. And he technically is in the shape of... His creators, which we find out here later, are, you know, kind of humanoid-looking species that also resemble dogs. They're like the Khajiit, which are cat people, except they're dog people. Oh, yeah. Skyrim. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Also not a 90s reference. (laughs) (laughs) Tobias and Marco knew they needed to talk to Axe. Eric obviously wasn't human. He dusted himself off the sidewalk and kept walking. Marco got home and he called Jake. Tom answered. Marco knew Tom was a controller and chose his words very carefully as he called for Jake to come down to get to the phone. Tom asked Marco about why he wasn't over more often lately and tried to casually mention the shining. 
sorry, not the shining, the sharing. (laughs) (laughs) I was just having a Jack Nicholson moment there. And how they were going to have a barbecue and do water skiing at the lake. And that Marco should come and bring his dad. His dad was probably so tired lately from working so much at his new company, and he'd probably like to relax. Marco answered carefully and coolly, not knowing that Tom and the sharing obviously now have a target on his dad to infest him, and it was probably because of his dad's new tech job with the military. Jake got on the phone, and Marco exploded at Jake that Tom and the Yerks were now after his dad, and Jake like told Marco just to shut up and make conversation on his end. And he made the conversation on his end just to sound calm and cool because he was an earshot of his brother. So they agreed to meet up later. And they met up in the forest beyond Cassie's farm. And Rachel and Cassie were already there. So this is where Cassie's transfixed with peering inside a little burrow because she was happily <laughs> deducing there were some baby possums in there. <laughs> and then Axe and Tobias ran and flew into the clearing to join them. They tell Axe about what they saw with Eric and asked what he thought it, he possibly could be. But Axe's first response is the best thing ever. <laughs> he turns his head towards Marco, making eye contact with his main eyes. Marco, something has happened to your hair. I believe it has become shorter. Are you suffering from some sort of illness? And Marco (laughs) fumes. (laughs) But ultimately, Axe doesn't know what Eric could be. He doesn't know every species in the galaxy. They figure he has a hologram-like facade up to make him look human, but that's about it. They also figure that the sharing having this barbecue and water skiing trip up at the lake, Eric would also be there since he's a part of the sharing. Am I saying the sharing or did I say shining again? No, you said sharing. Oh, damn. Good. Okay. I'm having (laughs) Jason's the other day having the Rachel Cassie flipperoo. I'm having this at the moment. (laughs) Honestly, I probably wouldn't even notice. It's like we're so, already we're translating it into the sharing. No matter yeah. what you say. So okay. <laughs> so all they would have to do is go into morph and investigate a morph that could see through a hologram. It was Cassie who had the idea. They were going to morph spiders. Axe needs uh, to go as one to be able to see what Eric really looks like and see if he can ID him. And they were going to also draw straws to see who else would go to back back Axe up. And Marco was not pleased about having to do an insect morph again. (laughs) Well, he he specifically said no insects and then finds out that it's not an insect technically. (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) I just, I just, I'm like, guys, I mean, they, they know. Any creepy crawlies bugs are just a bad idea. <laughs> it's not the best. In Marco, he ended up drawing the shortest straw because he's like, I'll go first. There's a higher probability of me not getting the shortest straw, right? Because I went first and it's one out of uh, five. No, wait, four. And uh, yeah, he, he ended up drawing the shortest straw. He should know better. He's the shortest in the group. <laughs> <laughs> By de facto. Cassie held out the wolf spider in her hand for Marco to acquire it, and he did so reluctantly. Then they all flew in their bird morphs to the lake. As they tried not to think of how scared they were heading straight into these controllers and, you know, the the sharing big brouhaha, Axe let Marco know about that. (laughs) He let Marco know about what he tends to worry about, which is that... You know, he's not really worried about if they might be going to their deaths in these certain situations. He's more worried about their excess mass uh, when they when they morph into smaller beings. 
like their excess mass actually diverts away from them as they morph into smaller beings and it goes into zero space, Z space. And technically, although it's not very likely while their mass is floating out there, there is a small chance that a spaceship flying through Z space can actually splat their excess mass into nothing and disintegrate it, and then they would never be able to morph back into their regular forms again. <laughs> <laughs> this, this this little revelation <laughs> did not console Marco. <laughs> there, ha- when I read this, I was like, okay, this has to be some like foreshadowing long into the future that like either somebody's gonna get grazed like and they lose like an arm or a limb or something or get burned or something or like that's a good prediction so- morgan we should put that okay down. let me write that down but, uh, <laughs> we, don't know, we don't know anybody at this moment else who can morph and i'm like that's not how they're gonna kill visitor three <laughs> this is not how <laughs> that's, that's gonna happen okay vis- get visitor three to morph something small and then all right we need to go fly a spaceship around a lot in z space and see if we can get him <laughs> like Maybe one of the Animorphs, like, when, um, like, later, later in the series, would, like, I'm almost convinced one of them has to die. One of the uh, Animorphs will die? I'll put that yeah. one, too. I, I, I think you are very much right. I think that one of them will die, and then they'll get resurrected somehow. And then if we introduce any any other character that can morph, that feeling that character is probably going to be totally Yeah, nice. yeah. <laughs> any red shirt that comes in now is totally going to get killed <laughs> later. <laughs> yes, exactly. and that is the end of chapter nine for my part of summarizing okay then i am going to take it over from here ladies and gentlemen welcome to my uh npr i don't know smr Uh, I, I obviously don't spend enough time <laughs> interacting with digital media <laughs> to know this is. Um, okay, so the the kids uh, show up at the lake. So it's Jake, Axe, Tobias, and Marco. The cult looks like it's having a lot of fun on the surface. That always looked like a lot of fun, <laughs> but they aren't. So they're having fun. People are skiing, barbecuing, making out even. I was like, honestly... Like the that's a pretty good gig for a yerk. Like it's <laughs> not the worst. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure the people making out though were like the regular humans that they were going to like try to infiltrate and become controllers later. Yeah, but, but still. It, yeah, but it's like the, the yerks gotta feel what the people feel. It's like you think you, they'd like feeling like good. I don't know. With, like eating book, and like. Well, like with book two, remember Chapman? Uh, Chapman York controller was just like sitting there in his house like just all blank and not doing anything until he it was his time to go take his call to visitor three downstairs like when they have like default into what they need to do they don't seem to actually enjoy what uh, a host body would normally enjoy yorks just don't know how to have fun (laughs) as opposed to dogs (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so they notice this great scene. So they they land. They're I think like about a, they say a hundred yards away from I think the nearest person, and they are demorphing. And it's a little bit you know clutch because when Axe demorphs, that's more suspicious than some humans in the bushes. Um, so they demorph and then morph again. And so Jake's off doing his spider morph. He's not he's the fly morph, and then Axe and Marco are doing the spider morph and. Well, a lot of this book is about the the morphing and how Marco is just very not okay with it and does not have 
eyelids <laughs> and he's like I want to close my eyes but I can't and yeah. everything so it's it's it was just a lot of morph complaining I feel like I'm like not like the morphs don't gross me out so much anymore it's sort of just like okay okay yes legs yes they're coming on your abdomen okay your teeth okay your mouth okay more eyes okay whatever <laughs> like I feel like it's maybe the the restriction of the medium because like with this description it is very graphic but then I think it'd be to get to a whole nother level if it was like really in depth, digitized, and you know you got the CGI of actually a human morphing into some of these creatures and and the grotesqueness of metal morphing. Uh, I yeah. think I think there's there's be a whole nother level if you could get it uh, into visual visual respect. I think we have the technology nowadays. I think so. I something I, I heard something about something. <laughs> it also mentions earlier in this book when he's morphing the Irish setter that the fur comes last. So he's just morphing like a <laughs> naked dog until <laughs> Gross. Well, until he is, the very end. Marco's not at a stream, so I think Cassie would have done it more beautifully. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. I think that's like a choice. And I think a lot of them don't realize how much of like, I think a concerted, you know, mental energy they need to put into the morph. Like, I feel like they yeah. do, but on a surface level where it's like, it's like, they don't think it's like a, they don't realize they're not they have conscious control. of it. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like it's like you, I think you just need to put more focus and like realize that like you can choose how you morph. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just sort of letting it happen and be like, it's so gross. And they're just like, they just think they're, you know, this is just how it happens. Like default, it's just like this. Like, but they yeah. have more control. And then looking at Cassie's book, which is, you know, before it's like, she really thinks more about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, she knows what, how she wants to transform first. She actually knows, you know, more about each of the animals that she transforms into and what she's getting herself into. <laughs> yeah. I think the others are just like, became acquiescent, just like. This is how it is. Uh, so they just finished morphing and Marco noticed, talking about the spider senses, he notices hunger and then he also notices like the vision. Um, so he's, he says, it was like when you mess with the color and tint knobs on the TV, things should have been brown or blue, which is very interesting, and green was red or whatever. From some angles, the pictures were almost clear, but a second later, everything would shatter into bits and I'd be watching a million tiny monitors at once. So there's our little bit of what it feels like to be a spider he chases a beetle because um, he's just feeling the the instincts and as he's about to... Because uh, he was back in dog morph and wanted to get chased. <laughs> right? I was like, Marco's not very good at this, is he? <laughs> um, so uh, he's about to sink his fangs into the beetle, but then Axe is like, Marco, what are you doing? <laughs> and Marco's like, uh, I'm just letting the spider be a spider. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm just like, okay, Marco. You know, he's, he's like, I'm worth the identical like, spider. I feel like a little shame about, you know, that. But um, he's like, why had I gotten so into the hunt? Why hadn't I resisted the urge? Um, I flashed on the rage I'd felt when I talked to Tom. Was that it? And it's like, it's like, okay, Marco. Like, is this like a comment on like the human condition? Or is this like just <laughs> you just like not <laughs> having self-control? Which makes sense because Marco is like, I feel like the, is an impulse, like Rachel's impulsive. But, like, Marco is, I think, impulsive, like, in a different sort of way. Marco's, like, the Anakin of, like, there's there's potentiality there that he'll, like, let go into his anger uh, over his mom, coincidentally, <laughs> and, and just uh, turn into 
I don't know. There, there's potentiality of doing a lot of good or becoming a Vader at certain points where he's like <laughs> going, letting, letting into his rage and letting feelings and other animal um, psyche wa- wash over him. Um, so they they meet up with Jake, um, and then they basically go and get into the crowd of people. And so what they see, they notice they're like, "How are we going to find this person?" You know, the the uh, Eric, and see what this is about, and see through the the gram so what they, they run into him basically by chance and they notice that is that they can see through the hologram so he says it looked like a bare human foot except that i could see through the skin through the toenails with my eight strange disordered spider eyes i could see right through the electronic haze of the hologram i saw what looked like interlocking plates of steel and ivory the foot had no toes in fact it wasn't shaped like a human foot more like a paw and so uh, then the clincher for the um, for the chapter is yes, accent. I think your friend Eric may be an android. Bum bum bum. There's the title dun, of the book. Dun, dun. We have a data. <laughs> so we've got <laughs> so we've got the android. So basically, it's like Axe knows about androids. So it's like apparently not an uncommon galactic technology. So <laughs> uh, they even note that like Axe seems very like it's an android, and I'm like okay. <laughs> So. Oh, do you think there are android andalites? Like andalites made made a made a, an android in their image? So Axe kind of made it sound like there was, but like I feel like the andalites like their personality doesn't fit making androids in themselves. Like, I don't know. Yeah. They kind of seem big on themselves at times. Yeah, but I feel like in that <laughs> sense, like they they have like a purity of like life for the andalite thing, where they like would almost feel like the android is like less than in such a way that like yeah actually you're right and andalites the way the chase described that these uh androids they they are more on equal footing with their creators as opposed to andalites who probably would be hierarchical and uh make them kind of lesser than or or make them feel of that They, they have that tendency because they they structure their society so far that way and the the androids i thought i i I thought this was pretty cool how they did the androids for this um yeah but there's also more than one because there is also they they see the same sort of um like shimmering around another person and we'll get to that person in a little bit but before that marco suddenly gets eaten by a crow (laughs) (laughs) very suddenly very dramatically um and is dying and he 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 seems to be dying pretty quickly inside of the crow but he mind speaks to everyone which is the big deal and max is like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> um yeah because Marco... he's like mind speaking to like all the controllers and and stuff too they could all hear him exactly so because yeah. marco's just freaking the fuck out um he even asked tobias for help but tobias can't find him because there's a lot of crows around and it's twice is kind of far away because <laughs> the mind speak is weak so marco's dying marco's effed so but he and he's trying to demorph but he he can't he's just like thinking about too many other things and um but what he does think he does end up thinking about his mom and i think himself as a child and then that's what he focuses on and then he's he demorphs and he kills the crow um and he's demorphing the crow explodes right and uh they land and they happen to land at eric's feet because i think eric was probably tracking them this is like kind of off into the woods away from other controllers eyes yep so that's that's what they do um so now eric and marco and baseball-y halfy morph are um, meeting so eric comments on uh marco's uh hair length again so they have the 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 haircut deal 
Um, <laughs> and then the other android comes, and it's a girl named Jenny. So these androids have names that they do designate for themselves. And joins them. Eric quotes Shakespeare, that very famous Hamlet one, um, there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy, Horatio. And Marco, <laughs> impressively enough, identifies as a Shakespeare. Yeah, a little bit, right? You're just like, right. okay, I didn't expect Marco to whip that out after he just wrote that essay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, and Eric is like, I was there at the first play. And you're like, oh shit, so these people are old. So that's his thing. So these androids are old, at least centuries old. So then Eric, um, the Yorks are obviously looking for the Mindspeak <laughs> and anything. And Eric says, I don't want to say tricks, but is like, no, I think they went over there. You know, go check over there. <laughs> Basically being like, you know, don't come over here, you know. So that's like something that I think caught Marco's attention for sure because Marco was like ah oh, fuck <laughs> so because I have to thought this too it's like oh my god the android's gonna be a Yurk plot but possibly doesn't look that way so um Eric then tells Marco to have him and the other animorphs come to his house tonight and Marco reluctantly agrees thinking it could still be a trap but that's that's where it left out but um Eric is like it's not like that it will be a meeting of allies Marco you see we too fight the Yurks dun 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 <laughs> And that's a good spot to break for this book. Yeah, perfect reveal and cut to part two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah, part yeah. two where things get hairy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I like this reveal and how he's like, oh, actually, like, covering for them. Marco's like, you're not human. We know you're an android. And Eric's like, and you're not an andalite bandit. Like... We see each other's cards, dude. Nobody's yeah. bluffing anybody. Yeah. So we go way off the rails by the end of this book, and you'll have to wait until next week to find out, unless you waited and are listening to both of these one after the other, which would be a good idea. Yeah, this this book has a has a quite a hairpin turn. Yeah, yeah. It gets uh it gets wild. Well, um, you can make your predictions by tweeting at us at middle morph on twitter um you can at me and tell me all the foreshadowing that you know because you read all the books like i did at morgan underscore slay you can check out my other podcast are you serious at are the letter you the word serious pod on twitter which is about reddit and stuff <laughs> is that everything yeah you 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 mentioned you mentioned Nailed correctly you, you do have another podcast <laughs> 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 we can affirm this <laughs> yeah all right, uh, Jason. Where can people find you online? People can find me on Twitter, even though I'm very boring. I like I need to up my social media game. I'm just like it's hard when you're a slave to the corporate machine. <laughs> it takes all your energy. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at bottomus underscore prime. Um, yeah, come um, sit a spell. <laughs> Woo. And how about you, Kate? I am not on social media, so if you want to send me a message, maybe you could just take an ad out in a newspaper and write what you want to say there. Or if that doesn't <laughs> quite work with you, you can always email us at middlemorph at gmail.com. Uh, you should definitely should have said, look me up in the phone book. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Wait, uh, but that's a opportunity. <laughs> but that's a second, a close second right there is the newspaper, well, another dying medium. Well, if, <laughs> if we, like, you know, finish the second part, like, she could use that one. <laughs> yep, there we go. 
I'll cut this so that it stays. <laughs> Not giving the game away. All right, guys. We'll see you next week with part two of book 10, The Android. Oh, but um, this whole time I kept thinking of like the androids from like Dragon Ball Z, like Android 17 and 18. And I think that's just how I'm going to picture Eric and Jenny. Okay, then. <laughs> there you go. I don't know right. what that means. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. 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 <laughs>